Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the side street podcast from Nightmare on Film Street, where we interview, chat with, and discuss horror with a horror creator that we've fallen in love with. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are talking with Jordan Graham, writer-director of Seder, the brand new horror movie that just dropped a couple of weeks back? February 9th. Thanks, John. Yeah, Seder is a, you know, everyone's going to call it, myself included, a slow burn horror movie. It's definitely more of a simmer than a slow burn. Ooh, like a boiling pot. Right? Like it's just, it's. And you're the frog in it. <laughs> it gets real creepy and eerie from the get go, and it doesn't stop. It just continues along. And that is a pacing decision that I think is very smart for the story that Jordan Graham is trying to tell. And also what I think is going to be a challenge for some viewers. So good to know ahead of time that you are in for a very deliberately paced ride. Yeah, this movie is a whole mood and you definitely have to just immerse yourself in it. It's definitely a no distraction watch, like turn off the lights, get really into it because you're going to get the most out of it. And also there's quite a few really good scares that are in the silence. So like you really need to like adjust to that silence. The synopsis of Seder is is pretty simple. You know, we've got a secluded character living out in the woods by himself who's hunting something he's hunting something he's looking for something he doesn't like he's he's out the the cast in this movie is incredibly limited we there are only three or four other people in the movie uh one including his grandmother his brother his sister and and a mysterious entity that appears uh, <laughs> known as Seder. 
pretty much the entire movie you're with this character, Adam, who says almost nothing the entire movie. But there's just this foreboding sense of dread that something's about to happen. And maybe it's something that's already happened in their family once before. Yeah, because we learn through Adam's brother, who's a little bit more cautious around Adam and visits to Grandma's house, that Seder is something that's been in the family for a very long time. And we learn in this interview with Jordan just how personal Seder and his grandma's relationship to Seder, that's all very real. And it was worked into the story of the film. And I don't want to spoil too much of it here because Jordan goes into detail about his grandma and, and her history with this entity. And it's just so fascinating and so cool how he melded it into this fictional story. And it feels so real because some of it is. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, don't, I don't want to spoil anything that, that So good! Is- <laughs> This is a great interview. Uh, you know, like when you hear Passion Project, personal movie, like this this movie's really personal to me. You know, that can mean anything. But like, I think this is the kind of story people are looking for. Or pe- this is the kind There's of story. There's no tiptoeing around it. This was, this was an uphill battle to yeah. make and to exist. And the fact that it's an amazing movie is just the cherry on fucking top. Like yeah. you love those underdog stories of people just using all of their grit and all of their energy and not even know how. Sometimes it's just the tenacity to learn oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. do it yourself that makes something all the more rewarding. And yeah, as a film fan, the fact that I enjoyed this movie and then I learned all of these wonderful things behind it. It's just like so dope. Yeah, if you're an aspiring filmmaker uh, looking to get your your passion project off the ground or you know someone who's down in the dumps right now because this movie they've been trying to put together for years is just not happening. They don't have any money. They don't know what to do. Direct them to this interview. I think this is a perfect place to find inspiration or at least to hear from other people that are struggling just as hard as you are to make a movie. And without further ado, here is our interview with writer, director, producer, editor, set designer. Like, there's nothing in this movie that Jordan Graham didn't do. Dog Wrangler. Dog Wrangler. <laughs> uh, please, please enjoy the interview. Here is the trailer for Seder. Every once in a while, I just wake up in bed. He's there. He talks to me. When you summon Seder, he will turn his attention to Submit yourself, for he is a consuming fire. Fader has searched you. 
Jordan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We're really excited to talk to you about Seder. It's, oh, it's such a super creepy movie, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. Yeah, thank you. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we loved it. Yeah, we, we saw it back at Fantasia in 2019, I think. I think so. Oh, did you go? Did you go to Fantasia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, were, we live in Toronto, so going to Montreal is not really a big deal for us. And we, did we you, go as did many you see times. my Q&A at the end? I think we watched a screener. So we completely, which is oh, okay. what happened at the Q&A. <laughs> Oh, I I froze. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine spending so many years in isolation on this film and I cut off all my like my friends and not being able to go and really talk to people. And then I get accepted someplace like that. And I'm thrown into just a bunch of people looking at you and asking questions. And and I've been waiting for that moment at that point, 19 years. I've been trying to make films now for 21 years. And so at that moment, it was like, yeah, I'm at this now for 19 years. And I've been waiting for this moment my whole life and I can't speak. And I completely shut down for like five minutes. Oh, wow. Like and then I could see the audience there. They're rooting for me to, to do well. Eventually, I got warmed up, and as soon as I got warmed up, it was like we're done. We're, we're out of time. So, oh uh, no, oh no. I don't. I don't regret it at all. Like that was such a a good like learning experience. Well, it's so. it shows too, like just the personal connection that you have with the film and how much blood, sweat, and tears went into it. So, like I'm sure mm -hmm. everybody left that screening being like, "Wow, this movie is so important." <laughs> if they if they got that through the Q and A, maybe because no one knew anything about it before before that screening. So, I mean, um, they learned probably during the Q&A from whatever I was able to say. I wouldn't I wouldn't feel too bad about it though, man. Like especially if anybody was curious about what was happening, we're all living that right now. I find anytime I have to talk to people, even if it's just one person now in person, I just I completely clam up, I shut down. Oh, really? and it's just okay. like I don't remember how to talk to people anymore now that we don't go outside yeah. anymore. Eye contact is weird now. <laughs> feel kind of that way as well the um but i much rather talk to you in person than on the um the zooms i think the zooms are even more, like that got me when that started that i was so nervous on on just the zooms and i rather just be there and and talk with you but this is this is fine i'm used to it now <laughs> yeah so. it's, it's better than nothing right <laughs> yeah okay, yeah yeah no and i feel also because i wouldn't know i never done anything like this before as far as talking with the press the press junket i guess they would say uh if we weren't in covid i wouldn't know what the process would be and so i feel like zoom has been really popular during or came up during covid uh, this is the first time i ever heard of it was through covid and now i'm just talking to a bunch of people and getting trying to get the word out so it's pretty cool and this the 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 road to today to today like getting Seder released and in front of a, as many people as possible is incredibly long, right? Like, where did that start? Like, in, like when uh, it's actually out there for people, or 
Well, I mean, like, about like 2013. When you, yeah, 2013 when you started <laughs> like, Seder. Like, I, I, from what I understand, this is this uh, movie took a eternity for you to put together to make, and you did absolutely everything. And I want to know, yes. I want to know everything about that. <laughs> yeah. So how it started was I had a film before this that if you heard about any of it, I don't like it at all. And I was, <laughs> and I wish that film was not on my resume at all. And I because I kind of made that film as like a joke with with friends I wasn't taking it too seriously but I eventually got a sales agent out of that project because I posted a trailer onto YouTube and that got a few views so he took it to the American film market uh, and that was in 2013 and after we had our screening there that's when I was like I'm going to now dedicate myself to a new project and I'm going to spend as long as I can to to get it done it's something that I really uh that I'm going to commit to, I guess, towards something that I'm a, something that I want to show people what I am worth or what my value is and not have it be this found footage, crappy film that I made. And I don't mind found footage films. I just, at all, like Blair Witch is like one of my favorite horror movies. So that's yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So anyway, past that film. So yeah, so I uh, started writing this one while gathering props because I was going to be doing it myself and trying to figure out how to get funding for it. And I ended up doing a crowd with Indiegogo, a crowdfunding campaign, made a video we have in our, in Santa Cruz is a, a newspaper, a local, a local, uh, it's called the good times, it's like a local newspaper. And it does really well in our, in the Bay area. And I was able to get onto the cover. I convinced them to, to do a, uh, cover article for right me. on yeah that was pretty that was so and it was going to advertise the crowdfunding video and the film that i did before so i was stoked on that and that when that released i, I was going to release my crowdfunding uh, or the campaign and then i had a whole bunch of flyers that i was going door to door to hang up so it was 2000 of them and I, they were like really high quality ones. And I hung them up on the door. I spent a whole day walking across my whole town. And wow. then, so I was really stoked. I thought people were going to really support this and I didn't even raise a cent out of it. Oh no. So, oh, no. Yeah. Not uh, I, like, except for the people that I asked personally to put in, uh, not one person donated anything, which wow. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. Good on you for for continuing on and doing it though. That would have that would have. I'm sure that was a hard day. <laughs> it crushed me. Yeah. yeah, I was not in a good spot there. So then there is the Good Times article. What did help or not help? Not even help. What came out of that was filmmakers came up to me or wrote me and said that they would like to give me advice on how to move forward and uh, from in my area. And I was really excited about that. So yeah, let's. I'm totally open for suggestions. And then their suggestions were basically talking down to me. It was Aww. saying like, you can't make a, film, you can't make a film of quality unless you have this and you need to have that. And it's like, yeah, I, I want that. I don't have the capabilities <laughs> of having it. Yeah, that'd be great. That my, yeah. It's like I my crowdfunding campaign is failed and you're ba telling me right now that I'm not good enough to do this. And that was kind of like the deciding factor that I was going to make this whole film myself um after that right uh, kind of prove them wrong and then hopefully prove to other filmmakers that you can make a film of quality 
uh, without all the bells and whistles. I did have good equipment, but that was when I uh, was figured out how to finance this stuff. I didn't have any any gear before I made this film. Uh, to make my last one, I borrowed it from a friend I do a wedding videography with, and uh, he's actually the one with the big beard in the film. Oh, no oh, way. Oh, fun. Yeah, so he's been my friend, Michael, uh, the one who plays Pete. He's been my close friend since I was 13 and he was 11. Seventh grade is when we're, where we met. We He's been acting for me ever since. Uh, That's so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and then after when he graduated college, he got a business degree and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he asked me if I wanted to get into wedding videography with him. That was 10 years ago. And it's like, yes, let's do it. Uh, so I've been doing, that's how I financed half the film was through wedding videography. Also with Seder, I, I, went, I went out to a bar with a friend, another friend of mine, it's a really good friend of mine. And he just randomly said, hey, I'll give you half the budget uh, or loan you half the budget. Obviously I want my money back and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and a percentage of the film. So I took it and he's paid off now. So that's yeah. good. That's great. I haven't made anything for the movie yet, but I, I paid him off. So now he just could just sit there and get a nice little percentage out of whatever is generated. <laughs> yeah, and no, like I hate, um, I hate saying like, oh yeah, this movie made no money, but it's a great calling card. But I mean, this movie is a really great calling card, dude. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's the reason. Whatever I happen to make out of this film, if it's nothing at all, which doesn't seem like it's going to be the case, it's already done what I wanted it to do as far as doors have started to open yeah it's nice talking to other people that are either at my level or above because i'm so used to being the one that knows everything in my film world mm -hmm. because santa cruz is a little small bubble and and i don't really have people to connect with that are kind of at my level it's all i always feel like i'm teaching people stuff and i would love to work with people that equally on something or I want to learn off people. I want people. And it's been very interesting. I'm still not quite used to it. And I'm talking to people that know so much more than me. And it is mind blowing almost. It's just like, wow, that is so cool that you do that or you know that or you can you can get a film possibly made or you have the means of, of getting a, a film made with a decent budget. And it's such a cool world that I feel like I'm stepping into. That's so great. It's 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 just so. like bad luck that you weren't able to talk to those people when your Indiegogo campaign failed, right? Like, because that's like the one thing you would have needed. It's just like, yeah, no, you can fucking do this. Just like go have a few drinks with your friends. Like, figure out how to make it yourself. Yeah, yeah, no. It, back then, yeah, that was a bummer. But I really didn't have anything to to offer then. I mean, like the only film that I had was it's called Spectre, the film that I had, and that again, I I try distancing myself from that as much as I possibly can. So, but yeah, anyway, so I got the, I got the fund or we got the funding or I got the funding and then I started building the cabin. Uh, I already been collecting stuff around town, like uh, the pallets, uh, the foundation of the cabin was built on a bunch of wooden pallets that I found around town. That's great. And then uh, I built it in my mom's backyard. <laughs> the, the fence was falling down. So I tore apart the fence and used that as the walls and my neighbor happened to be tearing apart his deck the day we started, or the day I started building the cabin. So he gave me all that old wood and that's what I used for the floors. And then the 
the fireplace. So it's all like stone and stuff. I, I went up into the mountains with a backpack and oh made a whole trip up and down, up and down the hill, wow. collecting river rocks and then mixing them with cement. And it was so heavy to lift it. I mean, I had, I had to have a person help me lift the fire. It was like uh, the back panel of the fireplace. It was like four different panels and something popped in my chest. Jesus. And I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I'm in so much pain. And I go to the doctor eventually and I have something called costochondritis, which is inflammation from uh, between your rib cage and your sternum. It's like right. in this one spot that is like right here. Uh -huh. um, and, you're, and you can go away if you give it rest, <laughs> but like I rest, I had to make a movie. So I'm still, I still <laughs> feel it. And that, that was wow. That happened. So, still dealing with that. But it's, I mean, like, it's us, it's so minor, like, right now. I mean, I feel it when I go like that. And that it's like, okay, there it is. That's not an incredible motion, man. Like, that doesn't sound minor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh, if yeah. I reach well, for I, something I, on the it's shelf, like I'm a, it's, like a, it's like a dull thing. And if I kind of like, if, I, if I'm slouching, I can pop it. And, wow. Yeah. So, that's a little souvenir from the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like you competed in filmmaker Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was shooting the movie, I felt like I definitely got like my endurance and I felt like I was getting stronger because I had to lift everything. And so that was, but then, then going into post-production later on, I, I lost like all that. And um, actually I lost a ton of weight during that time too, but because just we can get into a post-production a little bit, but yeah. So, so after, I, after I built the cabin, then it was time yeah, to shoot it. And I shot for 120 days throughout wow. a year, maybe a little bit after the year when I had to do like some pickup stuff. Most of the time it was just myself and an actor or two. There were some days there that I had one person assist me doing stuff and no one was allowed to touch gear or anything like that. It was always, if anybody was going to help me, it was, I've said this before, like holding an umbrella, um, holding a hose because I had to light stuff on fire. So mm. just be there and make sure to put it out if it gets out of control. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Was that was that mostly born out of like how you didn't like the found footage movie that you made beforehand, or just because you wanted to make with sure? what? Well, just the the idea of doing absolutely everything yourself was it just that you couldn't afford to it do it? It was what or? you said earlier about a calling card. I mean, well, there was one of like um, far way even farther back. I've been doing everything myself now for a year, so I'm just used to doing everything myself. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just one thing. And then I hate using people unless I have something to offer them. And since I don't have any money, oh, um, sure. <laughs> I'm not going to waste people's time with that. Um, and then, especially then when I'm just trying to figure everything out. And so then, yeah, with, with the crowdfunding, that was the, and the people tell me that I'm not good enough, kind of, that was like the nail in the coffin of like, I'm doing this myself. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the other yeah. one was what you said, like kind of like a calling card. I, it's so hard to get noticed out there and films come out and they get swept under the rug really quickly and I wanted to do something as unique as I possibly could to hopefully make some sort of a, a mark I guess or let people see that I can do certain things at a certain quality and please give me a job <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's it's crazy because there's there's a credit there's a card at the end that lists your credits and it mm -hmm. You, you, there are so many credits there that there's actually not enough time to read everything that you did well, yourself on the film. Exactly. I didn't want to do like, I don't know if you ever watched Gilmore Girls, but there's a an oddball character in there who who makes a, a short film and he just lists like 
Uh-oh. <laughs> directed by this guy, direct, uh, written by this guy. And I didn't want to do that. I just was like, put all my credits for six seconds on there. I don't want to be so full of myself with this. Just put it on there. And then we'll get to the, we'll get to the rest of them. <laughs> uh, and if they want to stop and look at it again, they can. So um, what, what was the actual shoot? Like, were you, were you having like a good time doing that? Or is that also? Oh yeah. I loved stressful? it. Oh, oh I love shooting. Good. Oh yeah. That was so much fun. I mean, that was so long ago. That was 2015. I'm starting to get the six year Facebook memories oh, of, sure. <laughs> of the shooting. Actually, it was five years that we did the snow. I've been getting the five year mark with the snow and that was near the end of shooting. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that process a lot. It was, there was some times that were frustrating. I wrote a no film school article and I talk about my, uh, my gear and how like faulty things were, but they were just main, like mainly a nuisance. I always read about how like filmmakers as my, like myself that are just using whatever they can to get a film made and how there's always these technical problems and things are always shutting down and breaking down and not working. And that didn't happen really with me. I had some nuisances, but it didn't make me stop working. The biggest problem that I had that get, did get to me actually while we were shooting was just my grandmother's stuff and trying to get her story to work for my film because she wasn't even supposed to be a part of the film at all until I started shooting. Uh, I mean, we, we can get in my grandmother if you want to get in my grandmother. Yeah, uh, I, I've, I've read a little bit about it, but like, I don't, I don't know a whole lot. Yeah, so that, that older woman in the film, that's my real grandmother and everything she talks about with Seder and she believes everything she's saying. She was not supposed to be a part of this film, but since I was on a budget, and I couldn't find anything that looked as cool as that cabin. I decided to use her house as a second location. Oh, wow. And I was like, if I shoot here, then this would be kind of a cool time to get my grandmother in the film as like a quick cameo. Mm-hmm. And if uh, I like it, I'll keep it. If not, then whatever, at least we tried, but I would like to keep something like put her in there as a scene and that'll be a cool way to like memorialize her. Yeah. And so I brought Michael, the one with the big beard to the house. And I told him, uh, you're going to be doing an improvisational scene. You're going to meet my grandmother on camera and I need you to talk about stuff that's going to get her to talk. And one of them was spirits. So it's like, bring up spirits. And so I hit him off in the back room, set up all my stuff, called action. Then it came out and then pretend to be the grandson and then started talking about spirits. And that's when my grandmother randomly brought up the voices that used to speak to her in her head and something called automatic writing or how they used to communicate with her through automatic writing, which I've never heard about. Oh, wow. In my wow. life, and like she just, she's never told anybody about it. I mean, my family knew about it because they, they grew up with it, my mom, but she was like 12 when this was really going on. And so she just, yeah, it, it still blows me away that she just happened to share it while we were shooting. Mm-hmm. And then, and it just changed this whole film for me after that. That was like on day 10. So I went home and tried figuring it out, figuring out how to edit into the film. I asked my family if they know any about anything about all this and they know a little bit, but the memory is so fuzzy for them. And I was asking if there are any of her automatic writings around that I could put in a film. They said, no, my grandmother burnt them all years ago. And I was like, okay, fine. I have a, I have a cool concept, something that's going to be really personal to me. So I'm going to pursue this automatic writing aspect. So I would go back and keep talking to my grandmother, doing improvisational stuff. Every time we shot with her, I would have to take a week-long break to figure out how to make it work in the film, which got wow. really, really uh, tiring and mentally draining because there's just stuff that's like, I don't know how to even, how I'm going to even work work this in. 
but eventually I got everything that I felt like I thought I needed. And then post-production, I get into post-production and my grandmother, the dementia took over or it was getting too dangerous for her to be in her house because of the dementia. And so my family had to put her into a care home. So I'm cleaning out the back of her house because she's kind of like a hoarder a little bit. And we need to, we need the owner of that property wanted that place back. So we started clearing out everything and in the back room. So, you know, that very last shot of the film where uh, everybody looks towards the camera, they're all sitting in that back room. So I'm in that back. I'm in that back room for real life and I'm going through the closet there and I find two boxes. One of them was the hundreds and hundreds of pages of her automatic writings. Wow. Right. And so all the ones you see in the film are the ones or, or what she did. Uh, not nothing. That was none of mine. All, the drawings of the faces. That's she did that. Wow. Uh, back, Those drawings uh, are incredible, by that, the way. I, I, th- I think they're, they're so creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could watch yeah. just the clips of the automatic writing for an hour and a half. The whole movie could have just been clips of the S, the swirly S. That's well, crazy. If I knew about all this before I made the movie, then it would have been a totally different movie. And I'll get to that because I am going to, well, not am, but I would love to one day adapt. Well, this is where I'm getting into. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the next box, I found another box and that was a thousand page journal documenting every single day with Seder in 1968 for three months. Wow. It was uh, the summer of 1968, 20 pages a day and is a journal, but it was a story that she wanted to get published. So it reads like a book. Uh, there's some pieces missing because there is some, she had some problems with a medium during this time. And I guess there was a seance that went on that she didn't want in the book anymore or something like wow. that. So that's ripped out, but reading this journal this is where I get introduced to Seder. I've always known about Seder. Okay. Seder has been in my family. I've always known about it, but just as my grandmother's guardian. And that is the extent of it that I, but I did not realize how much of an impact he had on my grandmother during 1968. So she uh, brought home a Ouija board, of course, (laughs) and uh, conjured up Seder and a bunch of other voices, but they all, all the other voices, or all the other people had, were just initials. So Seder is the only one with the name mm. Seder, and he was the leader of, of all these other voices. So Seder taught her how to speak to her or speak to him through automatic writings. And so my grandmother would sit in a, uh, in a chair. Late, after all the kids go to bed, she would uh, have a pad and a pen and a glass of gin, and she would zone out at the wall and just write until the kids get up the next morning wow. to go to bed or to go to school. If I was at my mom's house right now, I have a, I usually show on these things, uh, one of one of her uh, notepads that are, it's about that thick and it just has a whole bunch of them, but sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But uh, We saw them in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of them are in, oh, well, I mean, you see them all spread out, but they're, yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> I, uh, she became obsessed with Seder. She got, she fell in love with Seder. She did th- things called spiritual lovemaking with Seder. Wow. Uh, Seder got her, well, she got in kind of some trouble with the voices in her head. Like she would have to go somewhere and she didn't have a map or anything. So she would get in the car and allow the voices in her head to direct her where to go. And they would all argue with each other. And so my grandmother would end up someplace and lost and somebody would have to come and get her. 
eventually Seder convinced my grandmother that she was the biblical Eve. And then she like completely changed uh, just from what I'm reading in the journals. She yeah. became really, she became really empowered and very like, important, like becoming a very important person. And uh, I'm just, I'm trying not to say certain things that are going to paint my grandmother in bad light. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fine. Take, so, take uh, so, but it did get, it did get really intense there. Like that journal reading it, I feel like I'm almost downplaying it. Like it gets really intense and creepy and she's just spiraling out of control in these journals. And what's re interesting reading them is that I can see this person going through a mental health issue just by reading these. And I, it almost seems like, because a lot of with her Ouija board stuff, she, it, how she does it's with like a, like a shot glass or glass mm -hmm. and moves around like that. And they would be break the glass when it just lead on the Ouija board, it would lead her all around the house mm -hmm. and they would break glasses all the time. But the way she wrote it made it seem like it wasn't a spiritual thing. It made it seem like it was just her hand on the glass full of time. It was, it's really interesting. I mean, like she's the one per physically moving it. Yeah. Well, she doesn't believe that, but even just, just the way she writes it and the way she questions herself in the journal as well. It just, it makes it seem like this was just all in her mind, which is why if, I do want to adapt these journals. Well, before that, uh, so by the end of the summer, so this is only three months worth. By the end of uh, that summer, she ended up in a psychiatric hospital because of it. This was all in Tucson, Arizona. She flew to LA to try getting this journal published and ended up telling family members out there that my family all died in a car accident. And uh, oh, wow. so they had to go pick her up and, and then she was committed into a psychiatric hospital. But I would love to adapt these journals one day into a film, but I don't want to do a horror film with it. Mm -hmm. And I want to stay in this genre for quite a while. I love this genre. So I'm going to stay here for how, however many other films. And then one day when I want to get back to Seder again, I'll do that film, but it will be mainly just a drama on that end. So I just gave you kind of like a history of like my grandmother, yeah. but I'm re I read the journal and now it's like, I need to put Seder in this film and I'm already in post-production and my grand and dementia is taking over my grandmother. So now I'm just like, okay, I need to, we need to go talk to my grandmother now and see what I can get out of her, just audio, mainly audio of her talking about Seder. First time I recorded her, she talked all about him. I got almost everything I needed. The third or fourth time Seder was like gone from her mind. The, the opening of the film is a black and white shot with, um, just her face and she's talking about Seder is in charge of my life me my life something along those lines I'm just that was me recording her face for 40 minutes just asking her who is Seder can you tell me who Seder is and it, it that's what I was able to get like those three sentences wow and so yeah so just complete luck and her story is so interesting at least it is to me and having it just happen to work in this film and having it actually be my real grandmother, not just some random friend or something like that. It's, uh, it's pretty cool, I feel like.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Yeah, no, it's it's really great, and I, I I was I was talking to Kim about this earlier. The like you mentioned that final shot in the the back bedroom, um, mm-hmm. that is as dark and and eerie as it is. It's like the perfect family portrait for your movie. It's a happy ending. I say it's a happy ending. <laughs> like if we, if we get if we get into, if we get into spoilers, uh, in one interpretation, uh, Adam got rid of the family members that abandoned him out in the cabin and he's now with the people that care about him. That's kind of one interpretation, I guess, but that's how I kind of feel. It's like it's, he's now with his family again, yeah. the family that didn't, that didn't leave him. And the dog. And- <laughs> <laughs> the dog, the dog lives. I know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I see that. I see that online. Like, Oh, there's, especially with that trailer. Cause I didn't cut the trailer. And as soon as I watched it, I told the sales agent, I was like, people are going to be, asking about that dog like the, <laughs> the dog the dog is such a minor like i feel like aspect to the film and that he was such a central part of that trailer and it's like the, and that's such a horror trope almost with the with the dog yeah and i was like i don't know if you want to make have the trailer be centered around the dog and since they say like something about the dog going missing everyone's going to think that dog's going to turn up dead uh, but it yeah. doesn't at the end yeah and some people miss that too some people don't can't even don't even see the dog sitting there at the end because i get emails like what happened to the dog it's like well it's there he's it's at the yeah end. he's right uh, there yeah maybe they're too terrified yeah, <laughs> yeah well maybe um or they shut it off by then <laughs> but um <laughs> oh man the gall to shut off a movie before it's over and then email the director and say what happened to the dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah or people i see people how they, they won't even watch the movie unless they know if the dog's gonna be all right at the end or yeah something. we have uh, people like that too who email us to ask us like hey, how how is this movie does the dog survive like watch the movie yeah no the dog makes it but 13 people are brutally <laughs> he's an actor dog oh, no. he's doing fine yeah yeah that's the other thing you know, exactly. uh, well unfortunately the dog did pass oh, uh no but that was last year, and I mean, he was—he lived. A, it wasn't my dog; uh, he was a friend's dog. But he lived a very long, happy life. He was—he was an old dog. And he got then. immortalized. Uh, He's a movie star. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh huh. He's a yeah. Guy. And actually, when I uh, I went to go get a couple pickup shots 
uh, with him two years after I shot, but I couldn't use it because he, he, he got a lot rounder. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is the real, most polite way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just, he looked a little bit different cause he was, uh, he was, um, well enjoying fed. his old age. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's paid his dues. Uh, he can get two bowls. Of but he was such a good, he was such a good dog too. Like really well behaved. Didn't really give me any problems and did more than that. Like he hated my dog. And that's why we're getting the gr- the growling. You in got there. a really good ask, snarl yeah. out of him, like a really good. Yeah, snarl. it was it was because just like if I bring my dog anywhere near him, he does he does that, and so we put him in the cabin. And I had to put like a a fence around him, so I only just get his sh- his uh, head. And then that Gabe, the actor character of Adam, I he dragged in my dog, and then <laughs> Blue, his name's Blue, the dog in the film. Uh, Blue was like just upset to see him so i was able able to get that but then we have treats afterwards being like it's okay no we're not mad at you and then yeah. uh, and then getting him to like uh try scratching at the door i also had gabe out there with a piece of salami sticking it <laughs> and then they get the sound effects for that too because i did all the sound in post-production the whole film besides my grandmother speaking everything else i had to do in in post i took my dog and there's a note, I, I might mention this, there's a no film school article. You can actually see like a, a, a photo of me and I'm, I have my dog's paws and I'm <laughs> tapping them on, on a wooden, on the wooden door, but that I use as kind of like just a. For the floorboards? Door. It was one of, it was the door of the cabin because the cabin was torn down when I was getting audio. So I took that door and put it into the house. And that was the, what I was using for all the footsteps and, and it was walking on this door and because it creaks and does a lot of interesting sounds. So, yeah. Oh, the door yeah, creak have... in that cabin is so good. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, okay. So let's see, where did I get the creak? It was probably like, because I record all the sounds, most sounds in my mom's house too. And I made a, a fully pit out of mattresses in the garage. Right on. So a lot of the creaks were like closets and doors at her house I did make, it was something called like a creek box, but I don't even know if it, how much ended up in the film. I looked up a tutorial online where you can make something like a box with like a dowel and you can, with oh, rope cool. and, you, oh, and sure. you turn squeaks. Um, a, a lot of the creeks in the house, what's actually in the house, you'll hear a creaking all throughout, like uh, in surround sound, you can just hear creaking of the house all over the place. And that was just a TV cabinet. It was like a big cabinet that you could put your TV on. And if I, twist or turn the wood it would make that creak sound and so i put the microphone inside the cabinet and oh, that's, right on. oh that's uh, good yeah trying to the audio was absolutely the worst so i oh, enjoyed yeah. the filming audio it took me a year and four months just to record everything wow uh, is that mostly like a syncing problem or just getting the sounds right because like I, well because I, I did the whole i did everything in post-production and having the film is very quiet barely any dialogue not a lot of music yeah not a lot you, you don't hear a lot of um, traffic or regular like ambience noise. So I can't use all that to cover up the sound effects. Mm. So I had to record every little thing. And I wanted, since I wanted a calling card and having, I want everything to be mine. I recorded every single sound individually. So if there's any bit of cloth, I'm yeah. recording that like the lips, like just lips going like that. That's me just recording lip sounds. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was a process and, and I'm not in a studio environment. So 
I could only record mainly from 11 o'clock at night until uh, about four o'clock in the morning. And even then you would hear a sea lions because I'm right next, I'm at in the Santa Cruz. So you'd hear the ocean, sea lions and a lighthouse and something called a mile buoy, which uh, I wanted to, there was, there was one day that mile, because that mile buoy was the worst thing of this. It drove me insane because it would oh, make man. this, mm, 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 and you can't predict it. And I wanted so badly to go get a boat one night and go <laughs> sit out there and destroy that thing because <laughs> I just could not predict it. It would sometimes not go off at all. Sometimes it would go for like 10 minutes. Sometimes it would go the whole night. I wow. couldn't. The, the, the lighthouse I could predict because it would go off every like 30 seconds so I can get sound within that. But the, the mile buoy just drove me nuts. And it was just like the, this little low bass. And, and since I'm not a skilled sound per I've never done anything with sound. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get rid of that in post. So I just made sure to just record as many times as possible until I got a clean file out of it. Or yeah. Wow. That's, that's, incredibly stressful to just listen to <laughs> we complain yeah. when our heater goes on when we're trying to record <laughs> like oh you can hear the oh fire. yeah yeah <laughs> and that reminds me because yeah every time i'd record when i would go to my mom's house i would have to unplug the refrigerator yeah i would have to um hide every clock into a closet uh i have to turn off the fish tank the furnace i assume too yeah i'm going through was going through the house and just making sure i didn't hear any any like any of that that uh, and digital that would, buzz and I, too that oh vcrs and dvd yeah, players and <laughs> exactly sometimes i i didn't know what it, like at the beginning stages until i figured out where everything was and what was making sounds i would uh hear this yeah this like low buzz and then i would take the microphone and go around the house trying to figure <laughs> out where, where it's coming from and then finally like one of them was the uh internet the modem oh, of the internet sure. just making a little little like crackle because i have a really powerful microphone that just picks up everything i could hear when trucks go by i could feel and hear the bass a mile away wow like i would hear it on the camera and or on the the microphone and then wait like five ten minutes before it finally passes the house yeah it was uh and again it was probably stuff that i could have edited it out like denoise it or whatever in in mixing, but I never mixed anything before. Yeah. So you don't, I, you don't want to bank on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that was um, not a good time. And then coloring the movie that was before sound that took a thousand hours to just color the film. <laughs> also having, also having to learn it. Uh, Cause I never messed with that software before. Same with them, um, with the mixing. I had to mix in 5.1 and I've never worked in a Adobe audition and I never done that before either. So, uh, wow. It's, yeah, it's it it's a, a shame you didn't do all this for uh, for your first feature, and that way you'd had at least could have like skipped the learning curve, right? Like, but oh man, I guess, but no, because I wouldn't want like why put that much time into stuff? I mean, I I'm already if that last film Spectre, I shot it, and I don't care about this. It's like I don't want to spend four years on something I don't care about. True. Uh, Good point. That's fine. With Seder, but with Seder, what's interesting is like, so I used a bunch of sound libraries for, or not Seder, sorry, Spectre. I used a bunch of sound libraries for Spectre. And I noticed that in the newest Blair Witch Project, they used all those sound effects. <laughs> uh, and the one thing that was with Seder is with the first Blair Witch Project, what I love about that movie is all the sounds 
actually sound like they are in the distance mm-hmm. and and far away and creepy. There's no like uh, it doesn't feel like it's and it wasn't, but it doesn't feel like it was in a in a studio or have it be like really artificial, clean sounds, which is what the Blair Witch, the newer one was. It was just all over the top sound effects. I only saw it once in the theaters and I was and I just was recognizing it as like this is all this I recognize all these sound effects. Uh <laughs> so with with Seder, with Seder though, on certain ones I would go out into the woods and be as far back as I can and and get the cracks and the pops because of the first Blair Witch. So to make it sound like there's something actually out there in the woods far back and Oh yeah. actually I had I had one small question about Foley now that like just while we're still in this yeah. this arena. There's this is again maybe a bit of a spoiler, but somebody somebody gets their beard caught on fire i was curious what you lit on fire to get that sound oh the actual sound um i oh sorry i'm just, just i remember reference. i remember doing it it was um do you have beard fears it was rope <laughs> i think it, i think it was oh. rope i think I, I had like a little bit of rope in there and just like un- uh, unfraid i remember i remember burning i burned it in a little pot i like the the sound effects i had like a little pot and I put some like hair and, and stuff in there and put that on fire and put the microphone seriously like right up next to it. So that was one. There were so many sound effects for just that beard burning though. Like I did <laughs> just one sound. It was, there was a lot of going on in that scene. I remember because you also, I need to hear the blood coming out. I, uh, and the, you can totally hear it too is the other thing. Like you really hear it. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I know. Yeah, it's a, it's a chaotic scene. You got a whole lot going on, and it all sounds. It great. is a chaotic scene. Like definitely, that scene was with the audio. I remember, like, just because there is so many layers of audio, but I made sure to bring out just the right moments on the right half second, just to make sure that you you get yeah the experience. I'm just, oh huh, yeah, I'm trying. That was a while ago now that I did the audio. I'm trying to think because there's like a swooshing. I did. Oh, I did stuff where like just even me blowing in the microphone, going like. Whoa to get like when as soon as his head goes into the furnace oh yeah there's like this like and that was just me just blowing into the microphone but then i i did something probably with like eq to get rid of to make it more bassy and Mm -hmm. and um just to get the sound of like the air rushing out as he's putting his head in yeah because yeah you can you can also hear that the fire starts to sizzle a little now that like it's got blood yeah like there's like liquid being burnt yeah yeah (laughs) i think that was it might have been Gosh, man, I don't, I don't remember fully, uh, or, or I mean, fully the fully, because uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just with the audio. I didn't spend too much time on one thing capturing it because I had so much to do that, mm-hmm. like, if I know that it was done, I just move on to the next thing. That was the only thing I enjoyed about the audio was the music. Uh, I'm not a musician at all, and the music was just pots and pans and nuts and bolts that I would drop in there. And then I did get a really cheap bass guitar off Amazon <laughs> and plugged it into the computer and took it and got a violin bow and just made sound effects with the, with right the violin on. bow on guitar. And that was it for my music. And I enjoyed that process that it took me about probably a week of recording different sound effects. And if, and if I, on like another film where I don't have to do everything, if I had the time to just create interesting sound effects for a musical type thing, uh, I would love to do that more. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I didn't spend even that much time on the music, but I wish I did. But the music, it does sound, I mean, it's not really music. It's, it's, it sounds kind of it, but it's, again, it's just all like sound effects and 
yeah and stuff it's it's, it's like that it's it's like textures right but it like it really that and like any of the design that you're doing on any of the atmosphere that's happening like yeah you do have a natural talent for it because like that's where like the the dread of, the silence of just, is so important oh in this boy movie. yeah like, oh, oh exactly well I, I yeah and that like people i know are like it's very slow but i went into this knowing that's what i'm going to do on this film i'm going to keep the mood and this atmosphere the whole way through and if you don't like it, then I'm I'm sorry. Like the next the next film is written to where it's going to be more accessible and not so like that. I still love. I'm going to keep atmosphere and keep all that, but it just I wanted to have it feel like you're in a trance. Like you have to go into this movie not expecting to understand the plot or the story that's just going to unravel for you. You need to go in there and just allow yourself to get into a trance like mood and just just feel it. Because like my shots, they go on a little long. Um, my cameras don't move very much. Uh, I I just I cut at a certain. I keep the whole thing at a certain mood with keeping your shots steady and keeping the edits at a certain pace and not have it quick cuts. Like the only really quick cut in there is the beard, and then when Evie runs through the forest, gets thrown up into the trees. It's like the only time that it's really kind of like a quick cut type deal. It really it's it's perfect for the story though because like your like the idea of putting an audience member into a trance is is perfect for what this story is exactly right? yeah 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 because the grandmother goes into trances and the the main character goes into a trance so I was trying to do that throughout the whole film and with the music too uh, there are two inspirations for that one was in Santa Cruz we have a bunch of hippies in Santa Cruz and <laughs> one woman will have on the beach she'll have a bunch of crystal glasses like a uh, crystal bowls and we'll do like this like meditative sound with them she'll rub the top and it'll like ring and it will and, and I've, I've been there i've seen I, I drive by often i see it but i've only was out there and listened to it once and it definitely put you in this trance mood and it was really cool. And I was like, I would love to do that, but I want to do it with like a, a lower pitch, not so mm. high. Because it's uh, horror, man. So like, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that was one. And then the other one was the credit song for the Blair Witch. It's not very much an actual film, but you can look if you look up Blair Witch credits on YouTube, it's just it's so creepy. It, you could see my inspiration or hear my inspiration a lot with that song because it does sound like things are breaking and or just nuts and bolts are dropping in pans and uh it has that it just it that song creeps me out and i wanted to have that type of mood throughout as well but yeah it's very limited the music is is pretty limited it was more about the sound and how quiet it is because you don't hear any that was the other struggle is not hearing any animals because i'm in a place where there is birds and stuff flying around and i wanted to make it seem like adam was completely alone there and that cre these creatures, I keep calling them creatures. Uh, that's just what I started with. They're not actually creatures, but uh, these these entities in the forest killed all the animals in that area and decided to wear it. It's kind of like an, an organic way of having a creepy costume while not seeing anything, not knowing what's underneath it. And that's with the Blair Witch Project. Another one is that I love how you don't see the witch. Oh, yeah. And I, and I would have done that in this, but since this film does move at such a slow pace, not having any payoff at the end would have cheated the audience is what I have been saying. So I wanted to show something, but it's like, how do I show something without showing something? And knowing that this entity is just wearing the forest, you still don't know what's underneath there. That kind of 
gives the, for me, at least it works for me of there's still that mystery. It's like, what is under, what is under there? Yeah. And I, I got like two things that I really wanted to, to ask. Like one that I probably <laughs> should have asked earlier, which that question we can get to whenever you want. But like, I was curious what it, what the movie looked like before you talked to your grandmother. And outside of that, I can't help but like look at these really interesting parallels between your grandmother and you, especially with this movie, because, you know, just talking about putting the audience in a trance to get to a point mm-hmm. where maybe you do automatic writing. It sounds like a lot of this movie was kind of improvisational and just like made up as it went. Like you were automatically writing this movie. And then on top That's an interesting take. That's kind of cool. I like that. That's, <laughs> that's really cool. Well, the, the, the other thing that I, I can't help get out of my head, because now I'm just looking at this like a biopic, like 20 years from now, this is your Ed Wood. And this is how we are. <laughs> yeah. We are making this movie about Jordan Graham and his grandmother and Seder. Uh, like when you went yeah. to go interview her last time, she couldn't talk about him anymore. And like now you have all of her writing. It's like the the torch has been passed and like, yeah, like Seder is now like your burden to yeah. bear kind of. It is. It's like, yeah. And she always wanted to, she really wanted to get him out there. I know that, that like reading her journal, she was trying to get the word out about Seder, but people were thinking that she was crazy. So she wanted her kids to, to go to their elementary school or middle school and go spread the word of Seder to all the children in school. So I know she wanted to, to get the word out. You, you, you asked like three different questions there. So let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so what was the first one that you were asking? Well, I was curious um, at first, like what the movie was like before you go uh, talking with your grandmother about Seder. It's mainly like, what's the script, I guess. And I couldn't tell you what the script really was because I remember certain things will click every once in a while. Sometimes on these interviews, somebody will mention something like, oh yeah, that's what I remember doing that on the script. Uh, I mean, it was, I wrote the script seven years ago. So like, uh, and it's evolved so much. Like I've written a script since then, like last year. And I still am now fuzzy on that script because I'm working on another script. It did have something to do with like aliens. I remember. Okay. And um, it still was going like, there's a character that was alone in the cabin and he was still basically kind of doing the same stuff. It's just like the radio that he listens to was going to be a different type of broadcast. He wasn't supposed to go to a grandmother's house. He was supposed to go to a convenience store or it might've been a pet store where he meets the character Evie, which Evie was a person working behind the counter, which that would have been a wholly, totally different thing. Uh, it wasn't a script. I feel like that really meant very much to me at that point, which is why now like my grandmother has changed so much about me as a filmmaker and wanting to tell stories a certain way or really care about what I'm writing. I feel like that's one of my, the biggest part, uh, aspects that I've grown and like going now in the future writing stuff. Like I really care about the scripts that I'm writing compared to the beginning process of this, where I was making somebody called run of the mill kind of script, not nothing really like too fascinating, I guess. But you were saying, what it looked like it was i was it was still looking the, the same i mean the characters are still it was still all the same shots it was just the grandmother stuff started changing the story and i was still shooting my other story while shooting the stuff with my grandmother like i was i kept shooting and luckily pete his beard is so bushy and he, and he kind of like uh, barely opens his mouth that i redubbed his dialogue something completely different than what he originally <laughs> yeah and then Adam uh, never really, he only has like 11 words in the whole film. Yeah. He did say, he did, he was saying more in the original script, but as we were shooting, I was really liking 
how expressive he was with his eyes. And it was really uh, setting the mood that he wasn't talking. Cause then like, there's always this mystery going on of like what, and there's now this, there's a mystery of like, what's going on in this character's head. And as soon as he started saying more stuff, I was like, I'm losing that mystery of this character. Mm. I, I'd like to, I'd like to just stay like wondering what's going on in his head and not have him explain things. Also originally, so I, I like thoughts are coming to me as, as yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> so like, uh, Originally, there was going to be big, wide open valleys, which you do see in the snow at the later on in the, the film. But before that, there were supposed to be big, wide open valleys and up like on top of mountains. But I was really like I was liking seeing how we're staying within the tree line and we never go above above the trees. I liked how claustrophobic was feeling underneath there. And so I made sure to kind of keep it right at that tree line and not go so high above until you get to the end of the film, but the end of the film has a different meaning and a, f- a freeness than the first hour. Yeah. It's like they've, they've sort of like transcended a little bit. Yeah. And like, like one thing that somebody's never, uh, people haven't talked about with these interviews, like, cause people, I love how people are trying to find meaning of certain things in the film. But the one thing that people haven't talked about yet was the snow and why I shot in the snow. And since the film is all about sacrifices and then you will be purified after your sacrifice, you will have purification. And that's the reason why I shot in the snow is it's snow is pure white. And so there's always, before I do anything, there's still always going to be, there's meaning behind it. I didn't just shoot because I shot on a, the high eight cameras. It was, yeah, it was a cool effect. And uh, there, I mean, there was reasons why that was actual home video footage from my family from 30 years ago that I put in there. Wow. Uh, but still there had to be some sort of meaning of why I did that. So as long as there's some meaning on, on things, then um, I'm okay with it. So <laughs> yeah, anyway, so your second question. <laughs> what was the my last... second question? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, guess, I, guess, was... I guess I was, uh, I guess I was just curious like how you feel about like, given how personal this is like for you and, and everything yeah. that you've put into it, like, do you feel like you've been, you've had Seder sort of passed to you in a way? A little bit, yeah. I feel like it's my my thing now. It would be cool to to go through her journals and get that published one day. Um, that would be amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would like four uh, copies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's long, and it gets pretty redundant there. Uh, it gets a little boring at times, and there is a big chunk missing. So I went on my own like adventure trying to figure out what this chunk uh, because my grandmother she went to a seance with this medium and that medium and her got into an altercation at the seance. And, and so that had to be taken out of the story, I guess. And so I've been trying to figure out what, what went on at that seance, mm-hmm. the medium, her name was uh, Ginny. I wanted to find her. I wanted to see if she was still alive so I can ask her these questions. Like what went on during this time? Cause my aunt, she went to one of the seances, but she was 15 or so. And she said that she saw Ginny turn into an Irish man with this, like this really low voice and things, a book flew off the shelf and hit somebody in the head. And, but my grand, my aunt was really young. So I don't, I don't know what, (laughs) but I finally like, so this all happened in Tucson, Arizona. I'm in California. I'm going, I'm going through all my grandmother's other stuff and looking for addresses and cause my grandmother jots down everything. So, mm. so I'm just, I'm trying to find this Ginny person. Then I finally find the address and I found a number 
And I look up the address and it's only an hour away from my mom's house, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then I look up, I look her up and she died a month before I found that, that oh, journal. Wow. So yeah, I, I still don't really know what went on in there, but yeah, I, I'm so happy that I put this into the film this way. Really, really happy about it. It makes it so pers- personal. Uh, I have no problem opening up about all that stuff. Uh, it does. It, it is. It's personal, but it, to my family, it is kind of disconnected from me because I didn't grow up in 1968, and during that time, mm-hmm. um, my family won't read those journals. I know more about their past in that than than they do, because it creeps them out, and they don't they don't want to read it. Have uh, you Have you shown the movie to your your mom and your uh, and, Oh yeah, and your aunts and uncles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're all really happy with it. They think my grandmother's really creepy. Uh, I didn't tell my <laughs> they did, I didn't tell my aunt and my uncle about it until I was almost done with the film that this was about Seder and everything. I didn't want any like arguments or mm-hmm. anything. My mom my mom knew. My mom has been so supportive of of my film journey since I was thirteen years old. So oh, she's great. just happy that that I'm a doing this she used to make all my costumes when i was younger and, uh, yeah but seder you can't bring up seder with my family because they always get in arguments and debates on who seder is uh seder to my mom was uh an evil or sorry was a very nice entity to my aunt he was very evil satan i don't really know what he meant what he thought with my my uncle uh, i think it's just a mental health thing going on with my grandmother. She was diagnosed with schizophrenia when she was in the, when she went to the hospital. Um, But also like more history though, my, my great great grandmother also had voices in her head and was in a psychiatric hospital. And my great grandmother, my grandmother's mom, when my grandmother was four, she was hearing voices as well and, and put a shotgun in her mouth because of it. Wow. Um, And then my grandmother at 40, found the, the Ouija board and then that whole thing was Seder. Yeah. So it's definitely been, I feel like it stopped at my grandmother cause I, my mom is sane um, mm-hmm. is, and my aunt talks a lot. So. Maybe those <laughs> are- <laughs> oh, that's like this, this has been an incredibly interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about it. And oh yeah. Opening up about it. Um, yeah, I, I do have one last question that I, I, I know we've all been dreading <laughs> because I forgot to, to tell you about oh, it before no, we no, sat no. down. What's your yeah. dream double feature at the drive-in? If you could play any two movies, what would you so, play? The only way I can answer that is what are some films or what are two films that I wish I have seen in the theaters that I have wasn't able to. That's one is uh, Killing a Sacred Deer and the other one would be 2001 A Space Odyssey. I just Ooh. I would love to see that on a big screen. I mean, I'm obsessed with that movie, but I've only seen it at home. So I've, I've only um, seen it in the theater once and I am probably, I, I, I would love to make it my mission to only watch 2001, a space odyssey in the theater. Um, like, I don't necessarily know that it, it necessarily changes anything, but it's a lot easier to, it's great on a big screen. What am I talking about? I think it would stress <laughs> me you, out too much. And you, <laughs> and you can't get stoned at the end. That's the best time to watch it. Like, <laughs> If you're in the theater, then you you can't step out. Well, maybe you can't. There's an intermission. Well, yeah, you take, if uh, if the theater is gonna do that full intermission, like you actually get ten minutes, like that's right before yeah. we go off into like the Jupiter area, right? Yeah, 
feel like yeah. that would be that would be ideal. <laughs> so th- those would be the two. I think I think that's a great angle to to pick two movies that you haven't seen in the theater. That's awesome. I think when yeah. people ask and me actually, that question, that's usually actually, what I'm going with. Probably yeah. there will be blood as well. Oh, and, oh man, I'm just trying to think of movies that I wish I did see in theaters that I didn't. Yeah, there will be blood. Uh, yeah. I know this is going past the thing. That's fine. And then. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Oh no, I did see that in theaters. Uh, I'm jealous. I, uh, those oh, those are two the, movies I wish I saw in the theaters. No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. Holy shit! Yeah, No Country for Old Men was actually a huge influence on Sater's sound because that theater experience was so scary to me because there's no music and it's so quiet. And there was a scene where the during a drug deal where a door just opens and the door opening made me jump. Uh, wow. And so I wanted to make sure to have a, I wanted to do this film where it's just as quiet as possible where you don't know what it's going to get at you. So that was when um, there will be blood. I didn't get to see that theater. So I wish I did. So I'm with um, you. Yeah. We all underestimated it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, this, this was a blast. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. Seder is out and available right now for you to rent or purchase. You can look for it on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Microsoft, wherever you're getting your digital content. It's available on VOD. And please let us know what you thought of the film over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. In the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord if you're not already on the Discord server. And, uh, and of course, on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. If you're new to Nightmare on Film Street, thank you so much for listening. There are tons of previous interviews and head-to-head episodes where we talk about classic horror movies and all kinds of different stuff. Just head back in the feed and there is hours upon hours of stuff to listen to. And make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating wherever you're getting this podcast. It really helps us get the show in front of more fiends just like you. But that's it for this week. I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.